0: Raisin Brand is a podcast made for video professionals, marketing managers, top-notch designers, and ambitious minds, helping your business grow one topic at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Raisin Brand podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm a brand strategist at Pixel Labs. I'm super, super excited about the topic that we have today. Um, First off, I got to introduce our special guest. I'm really excited. This man and I go back a little bit, so it's awesome to have him back here. Um, Ryan Dozer. Is an entrepreneur and expert in SEO SEM AI and digital marketing um, and the topic we'll be exploring today is in the world of SEO and SEM what it mean or what it means to be a business in the world of SEO and SEM what it is how we can utilize it and then some more advanced stuff for mine but Hey man, it's good to see you. Hey
1: man, I appreciate you having me on. This has been a long time coming. We've been going back and forth, and had issues come up here and there. But I'm glad to finally get in the studio here at Pixel Labs. Yeah,
0: awesome. Hey, and Ryan traveled to be here. We got to give this man credit. He did two we hours, Super man. appreciate Nothing that. Nothing
1: crazy, but it's worth my time.
0: So <laughs> no, I appreciate it. But. Hey, Ryan, you got a lot going on. Um, can I just have you kind of introduce who you are, what you're working on, and maybe just a little bit of your uh, history?
1: Yeah. So as Aaron said, my name is Ryan Dozer. Um, I am currently an entrepreneur. I own a company called Thrive15 Media is my LLC. Um, and as he alluded to at the beginning, I specialize in PPC or pay-per-click marketing through Google Ads, social. Um, I do a ton of SEO work for different clients, and I also do my own affiliate marketing. Um, projects as well. So, you know, I'm very spread thin. I'm all over the place, but one thing at a time. Um, but those are are kind of the the areas that I'm dabbled in, along with AI. You know, I've been doing a lot of stuff with AI too lately, and I'm sure we'll dive into AI later in the podcast. Um, but I do have an AI project that is in the works currently and hope to kind of elaborate more on later. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, man. And, and hey, you know, we threw out a lot of acronyms for folks. So some of those, um, you know, so would you mind just kind of starting off? So SEO and SEM, um, and you said PPC, maybe just talking a little bit through what those are just to kind of give our yeah, audience like some context. like a brief overview of each one. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great if you could. So
1: SEO is search engine optimization. Um, in layman's terms, the best way to say this is how do I get to the top of search engines, primarily Google, Bing, and other, you know, DuckDuckGo, other search engines um, organically. So without having paying to the top, that's the basis of SEO. There's a lot of ins and outs of SEO. There's on-page SEO, off-page SEO, and technical SEO. Um, But that's the basic of SEO. SEM stands for search engine marketing. Um, In contrast to SEO, you are paying your way to the top of search engines. Primarily Google, Bing has their own advertising platform. Um, But you are, you know, it depends on the industry, how much you're gonna pay to get towards the top. Obviously higher ticket, uh, you're gonna pay more, that's just pay to play. Uh, But yeah, SEM, search engine marketing, paying your way to the top. Pay-per-click, this is actually a combination of both paid social media and SEM. So pay-per-click is the combination of just pay-per-click marketing, whether it's social media, whether it's um, search engines, Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, um, Google, Bing, that all kind of goes under the umbrella of pay-per-click marketing.
0: I love that you actually differentiated because when I hear um, SEM and and PPC, most of the time they're kind of used as the same. And I love that incorporated social media in there. So does DuckDuckGo do any of that?
1: So DuckDuckGo is actually, I believe, a search partner of Google Ads. So this is kind of a nitty gritty detail. But within Google Ads, there's an option you can do to enable search partners. And I believe DuckDuckGo is one of those search partners. Okay.
0: I've really been enjoying DuckDuckGo recently. It's pretty good. But Awesome. Okay, so I'm I'm glad that we took that moment just to define those, just to make sure everybody was kind of on the same page. Um, when talking specifically about SEO um, and SEM or PPC, even, um, how do these strategies complement each other in digital marketing?
1: Yeah, so you know you should always have what's called an omni-channel approach. So omni meaning more than one. Um, so you know a lot of times someone might not want to invest in SEO because SEO is more of a long-term strategy to you know, minimum, I would say four to six months to see any legitimate traction. Um, If you're in competitive industries, it's gonna be even longer than that. Um, Pay per click, obviously it's pay to play. So however much money you're willing to invest in a pay per click strategy, you're gonna see results quicker. The other part about pay-per-click is typically it's more intent driven. So we're going after the bottom of the funnel with pay-per-click marketing because you can bid on certain keywords. So when you're bidding on certain keywords, the idea behind that is to bid on keywords where your potential customers have intent to convert bottom of funnel. SEO is more geared primarily towards a top of funnel approach, um, informational content. You know, So for example, you know, I heard someone talk about the gardening niche. So top of funnel and gardening might be what are some of the best plants to grow in my garden? That's an informational top of funnel where SEO would come into play. Whereas if you're trying to go bottom of funnel, someone might search for um, best gardening tools or like some transactional search. I hope that kind of makes sense. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, one thing that's one thing that spans across both that I think it would be good to touch on is keywords. Correct. Um, cause I think one thing that folks don't always understand is keyword, you know, usually that would be one word, but that's not exactly how keywords work Correct. with SEO and SEM. Can you talk a little bit about that and how they're utilized? Yeah. So
1: keywords, um, like you said, it can be more, that's what I thought too. When I first started is that keywords are always one word, well, keywords are just search terms. Mm-hmm. What are people searching for? And there's different tools that you can look up keywords. Um, Google Ads has their own keyword explorer, SEMrush, Ahrefs, there's all sorts of keyword research tools. And the benefit of using these tools to find keywords is not only does it give you ideas. So if I type in you know, one keyword, let's say gardening, uh, a keyword research tool is gonna give me 50 to 100 if not thousands of ideas based off the one word of gardening for longer tail keywords. Um so yeah, keywords are extremely important. It's important to know the data points of how competitive keywords are, the estimated CPC or cost per click for keywords, and also how often keywords are searched every month, every year. and that's what these tools can provide.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing that I've found interesting about keywords as we've been working on them is so there's the way you would title a blog that's professional, you know looks nice, makes sense, but then there's also a way that somebody will search for something that maybe isn't as grammatically correct. Um, but that's how they search for it. Can you talk a little bit about your experience? Yeah.
1: It's always a tough balance of like writing for the algorithm versus writing for humans. And again, just like anything in marketing, it really depends on what the situation is. Um, But what I found is there always has to be a balance of writing for the machine, for the keyword, just to get the bases down for Google to rank you. But then within the content, you have to humanize it. So whether it's like different images, different statistics, um, showing emotion. There's like all sorts of things you have to do inside your content to humanize it. But on a very tipping point or a base level, you do have to write for machines at some point.
0: Mm -hmm. And I was just going to add one of them that we had done recently. The the keyword is one of them was motorcycle loan pre-approval and then pontoon boat financing. Okay. And so those by themselves are the keywords that folks are searching for, but that doesn't make a great title. We slapped guide on the end of them. Um, And that ended up actually doing really well on our two of the top performing posts that we did. And so that was an interesting scenario where it was like, that's not a title. So somehow we have to work that keyword in there and then expand on it. Right. And are you
1: getting, is that locally or is that nationally? It's
0: nationally. We haven't, um, we haven't been able to crack, crack, excuse me, some of that local versus national stuff. Um, It does help. I mean, overall the site traffic is higher, which was our goal. Good. We wanted the blogs to rank up higher so that on the larger pages, like Mortgage loans, um, you know, auto loans, those would then get bumped up more locally because we have some of this clout coming from the national right. the national traffic. But that was something that I thought was super interesting, and there's some that um, the titles are presented and... It's almost like too far out there. It's hard to pull it in. But Yeah,
1: and a lot of times too, I'm glad you brought up guide in the title. So when you search for something, you'll see typically eight, nine results in a SERP or a search engine results page on Google. And that's how you differentiate your click through rates and try to get, you know, more clicks to your page is adding terms like guide or just improving your SEO titles to try to stand out from the other, you know, eight results on that page that someone could click.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have any other, you know, whether it's for probably SEO, because I think sometimes folks you know they're not quite sure what that means or exactly what you do can you give a brief overview of you know when you talk about on page off page what are just a few examples of things you're talking about yeah so
1: on page seo is is optimizing on page on your website off page seo is essentially backlinks so what links what other websites are linking to you um you know typically the rule of thumb with off page seo and backlinks is it's called dr domain so domain rating or domain authority um, sites with more domain authority and domain relevance um, that are linking to you are going to give you more link juice. So that's, mm-hmm. that's off-page SEO in like a, a nutshell. Um, but on-page, there's a lot of different facets. So there's your H1 tag, which is your title. There's your SEO title. So H1 tag and SEO title are actually different. A lot of people don't realize that. Mm. Your H1 tag is simply like the title of your blog post. Your SEO title is what you can put in the search engine, ideally for the search engine to scrape. Um, There's meta descriptions, there's internal linking, there's external linking, there's H2 tags, H3 tags, there's images, there's alt text on images, there's featured images. Um, So those are kind of the different nuts and bolts of on-page SEO and all those factors do matter.
0: One thing that I've been fascinated by with SEO is, um, you know, in theory, a lot of it is relatively simple, but once you dive into to do it well, I mean, it's almost like you're going in deep Yeah, and it's ever changing too. Oh,
1: absolutely. And, and again, it depends on the niche. So in my previous experience, I used to work for a company called Three Ships in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was working with um, 90, 85 DRDA domains, which are very high, as you would know, high you know authority domains. Um, and when you're working with sites like that, you're going up against like Forbes, U.S. News and like some of these huge players, um, but compared to like on a local level or on a much smaller niche, it's a lot easier to rank for things. So it's SEO is just a completely different ball game when you start getting into the competitive niches.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so you're talking about some of this, like the domain rating, the domain do, domain score, excuse me. What are some tools that you can use to help keep track of that?
1: Yeah, so hrefs, um, SEMrush, you can simply, and these are paid tools that have free trials, I should probably say that, um, but you can scan any site you want using like an href site explorer, for example. And when you do that, it'll give you a DR or domain rating score. Um, and most of that is based on the links, the backlink profile, like the quality of the links, the relevance of the links. Um, do you have broken links? What is your site slow? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of factors that go into that score, um, but that's the basis and the, the way to do it. Another benefit of plugging you know, your site into these tools like Ahrefs, you can actually scan what are the top pages. Are they running paid ads? Um, who's linking to them? What what are their backlinks? Well, maybe I can reach out to for someone who's linking to my competitor because I have a better article. Maybe they'll link to me. That's a that's a common backlink tactic.
0: Have you people's. ever done that before? Yeah, You've made and those phone calls.
1: I have, and it's a lot of it's cold email. Um, okay. I have done that, and people do this for a living. They're called like peer, D, d- P R Digital PR Associates. Oh, interesting. Um, but again, people get like even my affiliate site. I get flooded with emails all the time from like sites from Red Ventures, like CNET or All Connect. Mm, Mm-hmm. Just like trying to get links and this and that. I'm like, you know, I get millions of these. Like, it's just a part of the game.
0: And are they are they legit? Is it a person doing it, it or is it a bot sending that out?
1: A lot of them are bots, but a lot of them are legitimate people like going through hrefs looking for potential backlink opportunities. Oh yeah, it's, it's a whole career.
0: Interesting. I never, w- so they get paid per link then or what's the... Uh,
1: I would assume they just get paid a set salary, but they have goals. Like try to get, I don't know, 10 to 15 links a month or I don't mm. know. I'm not in that world, but whatever the goals are.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, You know, one point I just want to spend a little bit of time on is you talked about the niche is very important and it's very determinate. And we had a conversation before about financial and I forget the acronym that you told me. YMYL? Yes. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, and we'll just maybe spend some time on the financial just because that's the example we're talking about, but can you talk a little bit about how important that is and and maybe even what that is?
1: Yeah. So YMYL stands for your money, your life. So to back up a little bit, Google has this uh, ranking factor called EEAT, experience, expertise, authority, trust. Um, And when you're in a your money, your life, or YMYL niche, which finance is the epitome of that, healthcare is another epitome of that. Anything that impacts a consumer's life, Google is going to look at your site harder than any other niche, right? Um, So for finance, for example, when you're going and factoring in EEAT, some important metrics to look at are your author. Who is your author on your website and all your blogs? Is it a financial advisor who is certified and you can link to all these certifications? Those are good EEAT signals. Who are you linking to? What are your external links? Are you linking to uh, MarketWatch? Are you linking to some scammy like crypto gambling site? Right, because Google looks <laughs> yeah. at these things. What sites yeah. are you linking to? Um, and also, what is the nature of your content? You know, are you sticking to financial topics or are you going too far off and talking about things that aren't necessarily about financial topics? Um, So to kind of wrap that all up, if you are in that YMYL, your money, your life category, which finance is, you have to pay attention to the little details more than other niches would. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And kind of to to, to, to wrap up kind of the SEO, S, SEM portion, what are some good resources that folks can go and look up or some good people to follow? Ryan Dozer, of course, is one of yeah, them. Yeah, of course, Ryan Dozer on LinkedIn. That's number <laughs> one.
1: Um... But no, Brian Dean, uh, he's actually, he started Backlinko and, and SEM Rush bought him out. So, I mean, he's... So okay, oh, yeah. I didn't know so, that. oh, yeah. So, he uh, he puts out some really good SEO content. Income School, I've learned a lot from them. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil Patel is like, if you're very intro level, Neil Patel is always a place mm-hmm. to start. Um, Surfside PPC, I got to give them some love. I've learned a lot of PPC tutorials from them. Um, Ahrefs has a good YouTube channel. Those are kind of the top ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay.
0: And, and actually, now to put a final bit into it, what are some of the biggest things that you've seen change recently um, in regard to SEO, SEM, PPC? Yeah.
1: So SEM, we'll start there. Uh, it's getting more expensive as more people come into the space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the big elephant in the room is Google's new SGE, search generative experience. Where mm-hmm. now, have you seen this?
0: I have not, no. So if
1: you you have to sign up for it. So if you have a Google account and you sign up for it, it's not on incognito browsers. Um, But when you search and you're signed up for that search generative experience, it's going to give you an AI response. So when you search for something, instead of the typical seven, eight, nine, know results that you typically see in a search engine, you're going to see this huge top of fold AI generated response. Well, that kind of scares SEOs and and paid search people because it's like, well, what, what do we do if there's just going to be one response? How do we run ads? Like my traffic's going to go down. And I honestly, I, I listen to a lot of people talk about this. I think we're gonna start to see a dwindle of informational content traffic, if, if you see what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it's perfect for informational. So think of like a trip advisor. So if someone searches like, best things to do in New York City, Well, instead of the traditional 10 results and TripAdvisor would be number one, we're going to see a search generative experience response where it's going to be a huge AI of like 10 bullet points instead of trying it because Google doesn't want people to go to sites. Unless they're clicking ads, Google doesn't want people to go to websites. And that's the whole point. They're trying to provide the answer right there so someone gets the
0: information and off they go. And they're probably pulling information from TripAdvisor and other places, Expedia maybe.
1: It is, but it makes you wonder like Google, so Google's uh, revenue or Alphabet Inc.'s overall revenue is about 70% search ads. So it makes you wonder like Google's got to monetize this somehow because the shareholders aren't going to put up with that, right? So the bigger play here, what I'm trying to think is maybe they're just going to have maybe one or two ads and they're going to charge more for those placements, Um, Or they're just going to strictly do it for informational because anything transactional, it's going to be very hard to do a generative AI uh, experience, in my opinion, because if you're searching for, um, let's just say, best grills or just some transactional search, you're going to want to get reviews from people. You're not going to want to look for an AI response like, here are the best grills and like, how can you trust that? You know, I'd want to read a review. I'd want to watch a video. Um, So when it comes to informational content, I think that's where the AI is going to take take place.
0: Interesting. And I think you do make a good point, you know, because Google, when they're pulling all those responses, you know, if they don't know who it's from, you know, that's there's not a lot of trust that's going to be built there. Um, I was just wondering, and and this may or may not work, but I've seen um, with X and what Elon Musk is doing, paying creators. I don't know if somehow if they were going to be building AI responses based off websites, if there be some sort of partnership, like you could opt into having your content. Be can like contribute to these answers. I don't know if you could ever yeah, so that or that, not, but.
1: that's an interesting question. Google news. I know you can sign up for Google news when they populate the news results. Um, but honestly, like I know it's still in beta mode and they have a long way to go. I believe they're literally just pulling information from the top two to three results and kind of making bullet points in their own little, um ai form are you looking at it right now yeah, i was just looking at yeah. the
0: landing page and it looks like there actually are results below yeah once you get yep
1: but again who's going to scroll below because most right. people click the first thing that they yeah. see so when they yeah. see a huge thing that's above the fold and they're not going to scroll well that's kind of defeats the whole purpose
0: interesting well and i do know that um so chat of course so my, my wife and I have actually used that. We asked it, um, and it's a little bit behind, of course, so you have to be careful, but we're going to be going to Montana in September. It's, hey, we're going to be there for seven days, plan out our itinerary, and we want to do this, this, and this, try this type of stuff, and it plans everything out. And so you do get some great stuff back, but from the, from the SEO's perspective – it is kind of a lot of, scary. of people
1: are in trouble, especially publishers. So, people that are making money strictly from like Azoic and like these media networks like AdSense, Google AdSense, these typical ad networks. Mm-hmm. I think those people are in the most trouble, in my opinion, because a lot of those people relate, they rely on informational content. Think about all the informational queries that like TripAdvisor is the example I always give. All these informational posts, 10 best things to do in, in XYZ city. Well, if Google's going to relaunch this AI experience, all that traffic's going to go away.
0: Right. So do you have any... You know, and, and maybe TripAdvisor's listening, who knows. Do you have any advice for those folks that are looking at this or thinking about this about what they should be doing? Yeah,
1: I mean, a lot of it is to go omni-channel again. You know, obviously, search is, is a huge platform. Uh, maybe instead of all the resources you're spending on search, go to YouTube, yeah. um, where you're not gonna get AI-generated responses. But YouTube is still the second biggest search engine on the internet. So maybe it's a matter of taking resources somewhere else and trying to dump them in other places. That's the thing I can think of right now. No,
0: absolutely. Well, and I'd be curious, too, with this you know, cause video is so important for folks to consume and, and learn content. I'll be curious if there's a video component that comes in. I mean, already, you know, if you Google a question it sometimes will pull up a YouTube video I've and that, that specific portion of the video. Um, and I'm guessing that that's AI driven, of course, you know, and so I'd be curious how that will all fit into this, this mix. This is fascinating though. I didn't know about this.
1: Oh yeah. That, I think that was in their big, they do a big, uh, conference or announcement every year. And this was like their big one.
0: Interesting. Well, and, and I mean, um, so we have Google, uh, Google homes at, uh, oh yeah. at our place. And <clears throat> I mean, this, a lot of this is already baked into that. It's just rather than getting your audio answer, now you're actually on search looking for it. Yeah.
1: And on that same note, I think this was in the same conference, Google ads. So going to the SEM conversation, they're actually doing automatically created assets now. So it's, you can flip a switch and Google can take your landing page and now create ads. It can create extensions. Like they're just trying to make everything as controlled by them as possible.
0: Interesting. And I'm, are you a fan of that?
1: I am not. Um, I actually ran a test. Uh, so are you familiar with like responsive search ads or mm-hmm. RSAs? Yep. So yep. that's Google's ad plat or Google ad type. They used to have expanded text ads, but they got rid of that where you could control. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Here? Where you could control the three headlines, two descriptions. They got rid of that. Mm-hmm. And now it's pure responsive search ads. I actually ran a split test um, and I documented this on LinkedIn one day. Um, comparing, like you can pin headlines. So like, let's say I have one headline out of 15 I want to show first, well, you can pin that. Well, here's, you know, it sounds great in theory, but here's the problem with that. Anytime you pin assets, what I've learned is Google will automatically flag your ad as low quality, no matter what. Seriously. They will.
0: No matter what you put no, in there. No
1: matter what you put in there, they will, flag, if you pin, if you pin headlines and pin descriptions, they will flag your ad ad as low quality. Um, and so once they do that, That's all part of the keyword quality score, right? So keyword quality score, uh, expected click-through rate, uh, landing page experience, and I'm missing one, ad relevance. So ad relevance and expected click-through rate are both based on the ad quality. So if you have poor ad quality, tanks your keyword quality score. That tanks your position in the bidding auction. It all ties together. So that was my finding from running the split test, and I'm glad I did it. That wasn't the finding I was expecting. I was expecting like maybe pinned ads would do better than non-pinned ads. I was expecting that sort of finding, Um, But when I found that out, I was like, wow. I was like, guess I'm never using pin dads ever again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Google wants you to play their game. I know. (laughs) Do you remember the difference in the quality score?
1: I don't, it was, I think it was like uh, maybe seven out of 10 to three out of 10 or, or something. Well, like Well, that, that's, so that's huge. Yeah.
0: I didn't know if it, even one point is huge, you know, cause yeah. you're, usually it's, it's three, five,
1: seven, nine, 10, I believe is how they, they okay. were at like, one, so that, three, five, seven. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Okay. And even one of those levels, mm-hmm. that's big, especially if you're in an ultra competitive. Oh, for sure. We don't, we work with um, a lawyer. We don't run their, run their SEM, but they're 40 bucks a click, you know, oh, for I all bet. of their stuff. So, oh my gosh. Well, interesting, and you know, and in, in the last bit of our conversation, which I think we'll actually spend the most time in, and I'm super excited for, and we've and we've been alluding to it several times, um, you know, actually, definitely on the SEO side, and then now even a little bit on the SEM with what you just shared, but uh, AI, and I'm oh, yeah. and I'm so I'm curious. You have, I'm just gonna say, dived in deep um, on some of this. Can you talk a little bit about what you've been experiencing with AI and and what you've tried? Yeah.
1: So I'll just start here. I uh, when ChatGPT first came out, obviously, like. I actually wasn't as impressed as most people I think were Mm because it was so headline news. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've been using Jasper AI. Isn't this the same exact thing? And we actually talked about this, I Mm -hmm. think, at one point. Um, So this idea of language models and and copy-based AI isn't new. And I think that's the first thing that we need to mention is that Spin Rewriter has been around since 2014 or something. Jasper has been around since 2018 or 2019, somewhere around there. Um, so this idea that AI content generation, and oh my God, chat just came out. This is going to change everything. It's already been here. Chat GBT just made it more accessible and easier. Um, and some of the results are better than what Jasper was giving. Um, so I think that's the first point to make is that it's always been here. It's just getting better now and getting more prevalent in our everyday lives. Um, so I did speak about this, um, to a organization called Fuse DSM. They're a, a local chamber of commerce group in Des Moines, um, The CEO reached out to me one day, I posted something on LinkedIn and she's like, hey, Ryan, I've never met her. She's like, hey, Ryan, you know, we're having a lunch and learn about AI. Can you speak on this? And I'm like, I mean, okay, I feel like I don't know much, but yeah, I'm up for the challenge, right? Um, So long story short, I I speak about it, I talk about ChatGBT, Bard, um, where I think it's going, um, just all the ins and outs of AI. Um, and what I ended up finding out was, and I thought I talked to my web developer almost every day and he makes me feel dumber than rock sometimes when I talk about AI, cause he's into auto GBT and he's into the next oh, trend, next tool, this and that. Yeah, wow. I'm like, bro, pump the brakes, man. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Um, uh, but then I talked to a group of 40 to 50, um, you know, you know, 40 to 50 that are traditional business owners and they think I'm Albert Einstein. Right. I'm telling them like all these Chrome extensions, you've AI PRM. That's a good one. I would look into it's curated prompts on chat GBT. So Anyways, I talk about that. I talk about simple use cases for chat, GBT, simple use cases for Bard. And these people think I'm the next coming of God. You know what I mean? And it's like, I try to explain to them. I'm like, Hey, this is such bare bones information. But what that taught me after that presentation is that, wow, we are still so early, especially with the older generation, they still can't get a grasp on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just so much to dive into with AI, but um, I'll, I'll explain my tool stack here. So my tool stack is I use ChatGBT plus. So that gives me access to GBT four and 3.5 language models. I use Google Bard actually more than I thought I would, mainly for frequently asked questions on blog posts, because it's pulling straight from Google. Um I use SEO writing.ai for long form content. I've learned that chat actually sucks for short uh, long form content. It's mm-hmm. good for short form, bad for long form a lot of reasons for that. Um, but SEO seowriting.ai I've been very impressed with. Sonic I've been very impressed with. Um, it just I'm always exploring new tools. MidJourney is a great tool for graphic design and AI oh, art mm-hmm. generation for 10 bucks a month. Um, so I'm always like venturing in new tools. Those are some right now. Fireflies AI is an is a AI note taker I use in meetings. So when I'm in my Google Meets or Zooms, I have Fireflies AI in the background, taking notes, transcribing the whole conversation, creating action items for when the meeting's over. Awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, so is that
0: you're just running on your computer with the microphone Yeah, and so stuff? it's okay. like a
1: meeting. In, so like when I hop in a Google Meet, Fireflies AI will be a meeting guest. So it's just sitting there as a meeting guest in the actual meeting, and it's transcribing the whole conversation, creating action items. Um, and this stuff's getting better every day. Like I'm probably behind right now as I talk about it. Um, but yeah, man, I'm always looking for um, AI tools that can one save me time and automate my processes. Um, but two also help me financially too, because instead of paying someone 50 to a hundred bucks an article, and I talk about this on Isaac's podcast, you can pay an AI tool, 20 bucks a month, have similar output, similar results, and more production. And sometimes the output's actually better depending on the niche. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm always dabbling new AI stuff, trying to see what I can do to improve my business.
0: Mm-hmm. And so before we go too far into maybe some of those tools specifically, how are you keeping up? I think that's where people get overwhelmed is they know it's important. They know there's some really helpful things. But how in the heck do you get a grasp on what <laughs> is actually helpful?
1: It is. AI is extremely overwhelming. And I, whenever someone asks me that question, I always refer to it as kind of it reminds me of crypto. When crypto first came around bitcoin ethereum and now there's millions of these other coins and ai i see a similar trend it's chat gbt and then bard is now the ethereum and then there's all these other new ai tools. <laughs> i love that comparison. Yeah, oh yeah um but how does someone stay informed well there's a ton of youtube tutorials out there i would just start what are the basics of chat gbt that that's the first place i would start how do i prompt it then I would move on to Bard. What are the basics of Google Bard? Because they're both language models. But once you understand those two, then in my opinion, can you start to look into, okay, what are the best AI tools for fill in the blank? SEO, copywriting, um, photo generation, logo generation, video production, um, AI. There's so many AI tools that can do so many things Mm -hmm. now. So to wrap it all around, start with the basics. Don't try to get into the shiny object syndrome of what are the best tools for this, best tools for that. Start with the basics of ChatGBT. Start with the basics of Bard. And then go to YouTube, go to Google, and look for tutorials from there.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, one thing, um, maybe this is helpful, but one thing I know that my my boss always says, and he got it from somewhere else, and I can't remember the name at the moment, but he talks about if there's something that you do more than twice, Try to find a way to automate it. You know, the note taking one, that's a no brainer. And are the notes helpful? You know, afterwards, is it like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I, I mean? Needed. It's always
1: good too. It's like, oh, what did I say in the or What did he say yep. about that one yep. thing? And it's always good to go back and like, oh, that's what it was. That's the benefit of having that, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Uh, But now there's a tool called Scribe. Have you heard of Scribe? I believe. So if you're doing, if you're recording a video or you're trying to record any tutorial, there's an AI tool called Scribe where it will track your mouse clicks and it will create screenshots like a screenshot guide based on what you're doing on your screen. So instead of so, if you can use that for training purposes for your team,
0: well, and I know we're actually in the process of documenting all of those processes, so that would be uber helpful. We yeah. just um, there's a client we work with that they run. We run their um, their Zoom meetings. They have big presentations okay. that they do to lots of folks, um, and so we just went through and documented their exact process of how they liked things, where they want the recordings afterwards, and so the fact that you can just do that and it'll capture it that's pretty neat.
1: Yeah. So I've been learning. That's what I'm learning actually today. So.
0: Oh, interesting. So have you have you used that one before? Or is I haven't. This... My developer okay.
1: uses it. I've seen him use it. Um, but I'm actually going to dive in soon on Scribe as I am going to create tutorials this week on for certain things. So. Okay.
0: So let's let's go back a little bit and incorporate this AI into SEO. So for somebody that knows, you know, SEO is important. They need to build up their website. Um, you know, even with Google's AI thing going on, it it's still important. What would be some of their first steps to understanding? first of all, what first steps they need to take to building content, but then how can AI come alongside them and help expand that?
1: Yeah. So the first step is to always develop a strategy. What is the point of content if you have no strategy? That's what I run into with people all the time is like, I need all these blogs. I need to rank for all these keywords. like, let's pump the brakes here. What is your strategy? Mm -hmm. What are you trying to rank for? What type of customers do you want? Are you trying to get emails? Are you trying to get e-commerce sales? So let's back up. Let's figure out the strategy. And then once you have the strategy next step is keyword research right so once you have your strategy we need to formulate a bunch of keywords you know whether it's 20 30 50 keywords to start okay now that once you have your keywords now for each keyword we need to figure out a blog post if we're going through an seo strategy so now let's figure out a blog post for each keyword well the best way to to kind of automate this once you have those in place um you can use a tool like seo AI, right so now seo writing.ai or write sonic you can plug in a keyword and it'll it'll basically crank out a 1000 to 3000 word article and obviously you can give it more instructions the more you prompt these tools the better your outputs are going to be so you can't just say write me an article on this and expect to have you know um you know, like the best book ever written. You know what I mean? So you have to prompt these tools a little bit, um, but then, so once you have your your strategy, your keywords, you pump your keywords into AI tools or outsource, however you wanna do that content production, um, you get your content and then you wanna distribute that content. So once you have your content, how are we distributing that content? Do we have an email newsletter? Do we have social media platforms where we can share our content? Can we transcribe our written content into video content on YouTube or whatever other platforms you're getting into? Um, Can we transcribe that into a podcast format? So you just have to figure out that once you have your written posts, how can you dive into that and make it more uh, more types of content? I think that's where a lot of people struggle is they think that I have to get one type of content for each thing. Well, one piece of content can be distributed in five different ways, as you probably know. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that that, what you just said that last minute and a half is like a golden nugget of if you want to start something and and you don't know where to start with marketing, having your central piece of content and then figuring out how to use it on multiple platforms. Cause I do people, you know, they'll be like, oh, I use it on Facebook. I can't use it on TikTok." or, oh, I wrote this blog, but I don't think it'll do well on YouTube. And it's, and it's not that I won't do well. It's, you just got to think about the audience, think about the platform and tailor it to that like
1: this podcast, for example, you could clip this into 20 different clips, post each clip on social media. You could post the podcast to YouTube. You could probably post YouTube shorts going after different keywords based on the different topics that we talked about. So you could post 10, 10 YouTube shorts, mm-hmm. one on SEO, one on SEM, one on AI. There's just so many different ways. to, And that's why the Gary V's of the world are so well known as they talk about this all the time. Distributing content, you know, one long form content can be 50 short form content.
0: Oh, huge, easy. And, and especially in more with, you know, so TikTok came along and it's not, it's not quite like this as much anymore, but reels on Facebook and Instagram, and then also YouTube shorts for a while, or it was, they were just kind of mirroring TikTok in yep. terms of the content. Now it's, it's deviated just a touch, but even just posting the same things, you know is it's it's amazing i know facebook reels right now are kind of on a hot streak in terms of engagement yeah but. i'm
1: not in that world of video too much um, but one thing based on what you just said i will say is that the platforms do take notice of how often you use them mm-hmm. um so for example the more videos you upload on youtube the more shorts you upload on youtube the more reach you're probably going to get because youtube or google at a, at a high level knows this person's playing our game, they're posting all this content so we can make more ad dollars off that person. Well, let's reward them a little bit and give them more impressions or make them rank higher for a certain keyword. Trust me, the more you're in a platform, the more that platform will reward you.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, One thing I've been curious on to that point is usage. Do you think they tie in if you're creating content, but also spending an hour on their platform a day, if somehow there's a part of the algorithm that incorporates that. One thing, too.
1: and they'll never make this public, but on the sense of Google, one thing I think that they do know is that if you are spending ad dollars, so if your Google account that's tied to their ad profile and you're spending ad dollars, Somewhere, somehow, some way, they know that, oh God, this guy's paying ad dollars. Maybe we'll reward him a little bit on YouTube, or maybe we'll reward him a little bit in the rankings on Google
0: for this keyword. Mm -hmm. They will
1: never publicly say that, but that's just how businesses work.
0: Right. Well, and I've always wondered too, it seems the first videos you do always do amazing to start. You're like, wow, this will be great. And that's when it goes back down to some sort of nominal level, and then you get the random spikes. I have to think that there's some, if they see you spending money over here on, um, SEM, you start doing YouTube videos. Whoa, that was a great start. And then it's, you know, Oh, your views are down. Like maybe yeah. we should put some money in there to, oh, yeah. to it's bump all, them up. It's
1: all connected. I'm actually going to speak on local SEO, um, to fuse DSM here in about a month. Um, and that's one point I'm going to touch on is that even like these little updates in Google, my business, you know, how you can make posts and updates in your Google, my business account, might not seem like a big deal, might not move the needle, but every update that you post, that's a signal to Google. They're spending time on our platform. Maybe we'll give them a little bump in the map pack next week mm-hmm. or something, right? The more you're active, the more they will reward you.
0: Yeah, fascinating. So fascinating. Um, and then on the uh, – so moving a little bit from the SEO to the SEM side, how have you seen AI come into SEM?
1: Yeah, so – First off with SEM, I don't think I even talked about my background quick in SEM. I'm gonna explain kind of how I got started in that while we're on that topic. I My first job out of UNI was actually at Meredith Corporation. So I was in the weeds of SEM or search engine marketing, uh, managing $500,000 ad budgets with another guy. Um, so we were running ads for People Magazine, Better Homes and Gardens. Hours digging through search term reports, conversion tracking, bidding—the whole shebang with paid search. So That's—I just wanted to give my quick background mm-hmm. on paid search um, to give like some expertise of—I kind of I know what I'm, <laughs> what I'm talking about to some extent.
0: Those budgets, I'd say, are slightly above yeah, the average. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So that
1: was really good experience. But to your point about AI, um, the best thing that I have found AI in paid search is through ad copy and extensions. So AI, in my opinion, great for ideation, chat, GBT, and Bard, great for short form content. Long form, they struggle right now. Um, but when you're writing 30 character headlines and 90 character descriptions and you explain, hey, I am this business located in this area and I am trying to target these keywords in my ad copy. Give me 20 headlines and give me 10 descriptions. You would be surprised at what you'd find.
0: Oh, interesting. No, and that makes sense. And is that kind of across the board for Google, Bing, social yeah. media? Oh yeah. So
1: yeah, social media copy is good too. But Bing, uh, Bing actually got really smart and you can import directly from Google into Bing. They've been doing this for a while now. Oh okay. yeah. So Bing ads Bing Ads is notorious for this where anything you do in Google, you can just automatically export it into Bing without making any
0: updates interesting um, because yeah, they're AI, not tied together at all that's just something that they kind of have allowed to happen oh yeah interesting yeah okay. so it's
1: microsoft advertising now instead of Bing ads they rebranded um genius business model copy what google's doing and then just create our own thing and and copy exactly what they
0: do and try to get a piece of the pie Yeah, make it easy for oh yeah. for customers interesting
1: but that's how i would use ai to start in sem is just add copy extensions um, Google's trying to incorporate machine learning and AI more into their bidding, but that's kind of in the weeds of what you can't really control. Interesting.
0: So. Okay. And so I want to a little bit deviate from our, our notes that we have here. I'd love to just spend a little bit of time on ethics of AI and what some of your thoughts are there. For example, you know, you talked about blog writing. You talked about social media copy at running ads. What are your thoughts on like ethics of, do you need to note that this is AI? Do you not? Because ultimately the goal is you want to be helpful. I'd just be curious right. to get some of your thoughts on that. Um,
1: depends on the niche, in my sure. opinion. So if you're, like you just mentioned, your financial client, um, I would still just dabble in AI for financial topics. Always, re- Anytime you're dealing with a your money, your life niche, like mm-hmm. finance, always reread the AI produced content um you're going to be surprised that yeah there's a lot of good stuff but maybe in a couple sentences somewhere in the middle it's way off mm-hmm. you know what i mean um you also have to go in and add links and you know kind of what i talked about before um but it depends on the niche so if you're in i don't know like a, a gardening niche or a live tv niche or something that's not your money your life Honestly, bro, like if you're a brand new site and you're just trying to get traffic, I would just let it rip let it because rip. the more time you're going to spend trying to tweak the ins and outs of that might not sound right or that might not, I would just let it rip if you're not in a heavy your money, your life niche. If you're in finance, if you're in health. Use AI with caution. Still use AI, but use it with extreme caution mm-hmm. and make sure you're rereading the outputs.
0: Okay. And just to our financial client out there, um, we haven't used AI, <laughs> and all of the posts are approved by the heads of the department. So yeah. <laughs> just yep. to throw as long that. as they're getting approved,
1: <laughs> and um, you know, there are some topics within financial stuff you probably could that are very top of funnel mm-hmm. that you could dabble in AI more with. Um, but yes, always use AI with caution when you're in the your money, your life niche. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And that's a really good answer, you know, and actually one thing I was kind of curious about is will it get to a point? Okay. So the Harry Potter franchise, one of the best-selling book franchises of all time, would it get to a point where, okay, so we have, you know, each of the books will now, you know, somebody could take it and make it like maybe what it should have been or make it the most engaging story or bring in their own aspects to it. So rather than you're reading a harry potter book it's harry potter but it's your own personal flair and that's what interests you do you think that's ever gonna like especially with movies and art and things i mean is it we're gonna... already
1: we're already seeing that to some extent with deep fake technology with sure. with videos um, that is a very gray area because at least i'm not a lawyer and just a disclaimer i don't really understand the laws of copyright fully um, but if someone like tweaks harry potter or they tweak a video. I mean, it's going to be very difficult to have a legal case to be like, well, this is he's clearly copywriting this or clearly copywriting that. I think the legal system has a lot of work to do with deep fakes and AI generated content.
0: Well, and that's a really interesting point, you know, so just sticking with Harry Potter. You know, if you take Harry Potter, even just a video like the likeness and turn it into something else. Do, does Harry Potter still own that does open AI own that because they're the ones that built the technology that allowed it to happen do you own it because you're the one that manipulated it and gave it the inputs
1: I don't think there's an answer to that I think they're still lawmakers are still trying to figure all that out behind the scenes
0: mm-hmm. I think it will be interesting I think a lot and it's hard but a lot of it probably has to do with intent. You know, on what you're doing, because if you, you know, take a video of the president and make it saying something yeah. that incites something else, you know, well, a
1: lot of it is intent too. are you making money off of it, right? If you're not making money off of it, I mean, who really cares? But if you're making money off of it, I think that's where people start to get more attention. I have a client. I'm glad you brought up the video thing about the president. I have a client that's in the digital forensic space um, and they do deep fake analysis. He was on the news um, but one in particular, there was a story, this was several months ago, about someone created a deep fake image of the Pentagon exploding. Okay, so I remember I'm, this. Yeah, sounds funny, whatever, you know, laugh all you want. Um, Will it tank the stock market for two hours? Yeah, it was like five to 10% tank. You can look it up. Um, So, it may not seem like a big deal, but let's say someone's on the brink of retirement or someone's living on their investments and they see the market went down 10% in the span of two hours. Holy hell. Like, what What are we doing, right? Um, So, that's the dangers of the deep fake technology is that it can really spew things very quickly. Mm,
0: I got stopped out of some stocks that day. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, and there's been other instances of that just with some different things. That's. That's super fast. I got another
1: quick story about that, too. So my forensics client, um, they do deepfake forensics in Houston, Texas. He was on the local news. There was a fifth grade student who got mad at his teacher one day and took her face, created um, an OnlyFans account using her face, using deepfake videos, deepfake images, started making money off of it from donations and subscriptions. Um, well, then teacher, I think the teacher lost her job because they thought it was oh. her The school, thought it was her then law enforcement got involved. My client, the digital forensics expert got involved. It was a whole thing. It was on the New York post. I mean, it was all over the news. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is these kids are getting smart and deep fake is a, a very serious threat.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's so accessible it is. to, you know, you had Photoshop back in the day where you could do some of this stuff, but it takes time. And that's usually what would Push people away from doing it, but it's it's accessible, it's quick, and it
1: looks real, and to it the average real. person. Yeah. Even
0: some of those videos, it's. I mean, obviously, there's some that are just goofy, but you see some that's like.
1: And it it really scares me, honestly, with political season. You know, I'm not affiliated with one side or the other, but if someone you know takes a video of a political candidate and spins it and says things that are you know offensive or this and that, oh my god, did you see what he said? And it goes mm-hmm. viral on social media. I mean, who knows where that could
0: go? Well, you know? and all it, it just like what you said about the Pentagon. It just takes an hour. You know what I mean? Because they, even your buddy, that's the forensics. They can't be on top of all that stuff all the time. No, there's a gap. There's a delay before somebody can address oh, it. Oh yeah. I just and I, I I just so think with the inf- the spread of information, how fast it is. You just have to be careful. Yeah, you do. If you look at something and you're like, hmm. Maybe yeah. we double oh, yeah. check somewhere. Always
1: I mean, obviously always think for yourself, but always double check things too in your mind. Don't just like look at something or read something. I don't believe anything I read or see anymore. Unless Especially I, headlines. Headlines too. Yeah. The more I dive. So always the point I'm trying to make is always do your due diligence, double check something, rewatch something, reread something. Don't just look at something and think it's the Bible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I appreciate, I know that was a little bit off script, but I, I, I did want to get into it because I think. It is a question that some folks have. There's a lot of benefits, a lot of things that can go really, really well with AI, but there are some people that are using it for some less than good.
1: (laughs) As with any technology.
0: Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So do you know if there's any legislation coming on? I couldn't tell you. I'm sure there has to be.
1: I'm sure there has to be. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, we've talked about a lot of stuff this morning, you know, thinking through our audience, you know, business leaders, you know, they may or may not have dabbled in AI. They may or may not have dabbled in digital marketing personally. They might've had help. What are just some final thoughts, some final notes or final topics that you'd share with them? Yeah. Just
1: some final tips on the kind of the AI and intro level. Um, Don't be scared. You know, a lot of people, AI is going to take my job. AI is going to disrupt my business. Um, AI is not going anywhere. Number one is obviously um, it's only going to become more prevalent in our lives Um, so I, I talked about this. There's the famous, when I spoke for the fuse DSM organization, there's the famous clip from Moneyball where the guy pulls up, he's talking to the old scout and the GM, Billy bean, um, the old scouts traditional. He says, we can't do things this way. You know, we're going to lose all these games. Billy bean pulls his hands up and he says, adapt or die. And then just walks away. And that's, (laughs) and that's how I see where AI is Mm -hmm. going. Um, adapt or die, right? It's like, it's going to be here. It's going to be more prevalent. Um, so my tip on that basis point is learn the basics. Don't get all into the weeds. I mean, eventually if you want to get into the weeds, that's cool, but just understand the basics of chat. GBT, understand the basics of Bard. understand the basics of, um, language models and GBT four. And just, I don't know, understand the basics of inputs because the thing is, bro, AI tools will always need inputs to produce outputs. Mm-hmm. They cannot just, there's auto GBT and eventually we'll get there down the weeds. Um, but learn the basics of AI because the tools will always need inputs from human beings to produce the outputs.
0: Mm. So what I'm hearing is, one, it's important. You need to learn it. But two, there's a little bit of grace because it's early still. You talked about that that speaking that you had earlier. It's mm-hmm. still early. still have time. Um And just dive in yeah
1: and also on that third note i would say is don't be reactive i mean you can say this to anything in business or anything Mm -hmm. in marketing but especially in ai you know it's coming it's already here this isn't a surprise don't be so reactive where you know let's say ai you know somehow replaces your job and whatever you're doing or replaces something in your business Um, don't sit there and wait for that to happen and then wonder why it happened and then say oh my god someone come help me ai just disrupted me Um, So instead of doing that, let's be proactive. Let's learn the basics of AI. So that way when it comes, you can say, oh yeah, you know, I I understand the basics of this. Now, how do we adapt?
0: Mm -hmm. You know, and what I've heard too is AI isn't going to take your job. Somebody using AI to supplement their performance is going to take your job is kind of what I've heard. I
1: think there's going to be whole programs, whether it's traditional education or not, where it's going to be just AI prompt engineering, in my opinion, where it's going to be people learn how to create prompts for different tools. Um, Because that's where everything's going. Again, it's the inputs. Mm. What inputs can you put into AI to produce the best outputs? And I think that's going to be a whole
0: career. So Zach and I have talked about that a little bit, almost like code for a website or an app or something. Some people that know how to manipulate it, use it to get what you want. That is fascinating. Do you know if there's any courses like that? I've seen people sell... You know, five bucks, here's how to use Chat yeah. GPT. I'm
1: sure there are courses, um, but I, I think that there will be like a boot camp, like a coding boot camp type thing where it's going to be just prompt engineering and AI.
0: That's fascinating. That's so fascinating. Any, uh, any estimates on the timeline for some of that stuff?
1: I mean, probably sooner than you think. Yeah.
0: Well, and I'd be curious too. So COVID pushed forward a ton of diff- different things in technology. I don't know if AI was pushed forward during that time or not, but it seems like it's it was kind of always in the back, you know, of, of stuff going on, and now it's just here. Yeah,
1: I just think with more people behind screens, it's going to push out more um, technological. The more time people spend behind screens, the more it's going to push out technological advancements.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Ryan, unless you have anything else, I think we covered all my topics for today and, and even some more, which I super appreciate you doing. Yeah. Um, thank you for tuning in to the Raisin Brand podcast. Definitely check out. Um, if you listen to this on audio, we have a YouTube channel where you can kind of see the visuals, get some good clips, um, and then there's always a follow-up blog on the website. But thank you, Ryan. I appreciate your time, and I hope everybody has a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another Raisin Brand podcast. Make sure to check out our website at raisinbrand.co and sign up for our email list to make sure you never miss another podcast.